Father in heaven, we're grateful to be in thy house in this day. Lord, we're encouraged by the beautiful sunshine that we could see as we came in and, and um, so thankful for the fellowship that we could experience as we come into these doors. Lord, we pray that as we would look into your word in this day that your spirit would speak to us uh, where it's needful for our hearts. Lord, where, where a change can be made in our hearts, where growth can be fostered and encouragement and, and correction can be found. And, and Lord, we pray that we would be hearers of the word, but doers of it as well, Lord, and, and applying these things as we uh, are taught them by thy spirit in this day. And for it, Lord, we'll give you thanks in advance and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to confess, I... <clears throat> I have a number of scriptures that had opened uh, this morning, or over the last week, actually. And so I'm, I'm not 100% clear what will be our, our main text. And so maybe I'll even tell you, don't, don't worry about following along this morning. Because it had a, a number of things that took place this week, and even some of the conversations that we were blessed to have last night, um, some of the laughing that we did as we were listening to some engagement and marriage stories that some I knew, some I didn't know, pieces of the stories I knew, but not all of it, um, but had, uh, had a couple of occasions this week where a few, th- a few phrases came to mind. Um, perspectives, even in our minister's meeting this morning, Dad talked about perspectives, the seasons of our lives, transitions in our lives, and just change, like how comfortable am I uh, with change? Um, I don't think I've ever preached on these verses. I don't think I've ever read them in a service, but this is probably evidence of me getting older. But Ecclesiastes 3 are these verses that I feel like I've heard so many uh, brothers senior to me uh, preach about, where it says, To everything there's a season, a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to to." Pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now, don't get nervous. Usually, every time I heard those verses in the past, it was like, oh man, what kind of big change or transition is happening? But what struck me was, I was reading a couple of verses this week in Corinthians. And in one spot, it was the Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthian church to do something one way. And then on the other just a couple, a book later and a couple chapters later, he tells them, you got to do it a completely different way. And I had to think for myself, how, how many times in my life I've had those situations where I thought I had a clear understanding of what the, the road before me was going to look like forever, and then at some point God said, no, you're going to do it this way. It's going to change. There's going to be some little difference that'll take place. And, um, I got to my office Monday morning. This isn't my change, just for the record. I got to my office Monday morning, and Friday I'd had a conversation, the previous Friday, I had a conversation with one of the guys I work with that um, the superintendent on my job, or one of my jobs, was going to be on vacation, and so 
We had another gentleman that I'd worked with for a couple weeks, um, really smart guy, probably in his mid-50s, I would say, um, was going to come. My superintendent was going to be on vacation. This other gentleman was going to come backstop on my project so that I didn't have to go out in the field and sit in the trailer for a couple weeks. And uh, so I'm all set with that, and I thought, okay, good. You know, when I get to the office on Monday, he'll be out there, no big deal. And we sit down. We have a staff meeting every Monday morning, and I sit down in the staff meeting, and my, my boss says, uh, by the way, at the end of the meeting, Mike, can you get with Tim, our manpower guy? We're going to have to do something because I won't use the gentleman's name, but so-and-so is not going to be at, he's, if you haven't found out already, he's not at the job site this morning. I said, why not? And everybody was looking very serious. He says, um, well, you know, he, he's, he's not there. He had something come up. I said, okay, um, sure, we'll, we'll backstop. And he says, he won the lottery. And he quit. Now you can smile now, right? Like this, everybody was looking very dour and scared that I was going to have some kind of cancer story. No, he won the lottery. Friday morning, that man had gone into the office. He had a review. He had just completed a very big project successfully, so I'm sure the review was good. And apparently got a little raise. And on his way out, he, walked, he drove over to the gas station that I just renovated, turned this truck stop into this big, whatever, my project, and he bought a scratch-off ticket. $10,000 a week for life. He got so excited, he took a picture of it, and he sent the picture to our manpower guy and said, I don't think I'm going to be into work on Monday. And so we're all sitting in our staff meeting, and my boss has just said, he won the lottery. And we all look at each other like, what? <laughs> I mean, is this a joke? <laughs> what? Um, so we're all very happy for him, right? I have no, I, I, don't, I don't feel bad for him, but, but this poor man is melting down because he doesn't know what to do. He, he, that afternoon, he went and told everybody in the company what happened. Well, everybody but me. I was the one, the new guy that was surprised Monday morning when he wasn't on the job site. But he went and told everybody, and then Saturday went and started talking to a lawyer and realized that he probably shouldn't have told everybody because now he has so many friends. Everybody's coming out of the woodwork. And he, uh, so Monday afternoon, he sent an email to the company, to everybody in the company. Um, the news of my, the news of my, uh, fortunate circumstance has been greatly exaggerated. I did not win the lottery. I just sold a piece of property in Nova Scotia that's afforded me the opportunity to retire. Um, therefore, I've retired effective Friday at noon. And we all kind of chuckled and went, okay, we won't talk about it to you anymore. But I had to think, he, he, this, this super exciting thing that happened, this windfall that be, that befell him, or however, what's the right word to use, um, completely threw him off. Like he, I'm sure he'll get happy again at some point. But all of the responsibility that he has now, and the way to navigate this, and, and fear that people find out, and I'm like, well, you shouldn't have told people if you didn't want them to find out. Just 
the way we, he reacted in the moment caused this other anxiety for him. And while he should be, could be, and hopefully will be at some point, looking at a horizon in front of him that is really a positive one, or could be. In the moment, he went from jubilation to freaking out very, very quickly. I, I, it, it just, all week, you know, all the conversations that we've had in our job sites and everywhere have been tenored with this, well, you know, we'll plan to do that on Friday unless, <laughs> unless you win the lottery, then you would never know. And this, this whole story of we in our fellowships will say, you know, Lord willing, I'm going to, to Mansfield next weekend, or Lord willing, this will happen, or Lord willing, we'll have communion in a couple weeks. When, when you see somebody's future change so fast in a, in a positive sense, um, it, gave, it just gave me a new appreciation for it. We never know what's around the next corner. And I appreciated being able to have that kind of a reminder in the sense that didn't involve a, a tragic passing, that didn't involve something heartbreaking. Because we often have, we have those, we've had those this week, where our perspective is that, um, that life will continue as it has in the past and there won't be a change and that things will continue along the, the road that we see before us and, and then things do tragically happen. And so what, what, I was, what I was struck by was these times and seasons in our lives and how do we navigate that? In the couple examples that, that I was led to, the way that this actually opened up was I was reading in 2 Corinthians In 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6, we have these verses at the end that talk about um, being not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I know this is a funny transition, so bear, bear with me if you can. But we have this, this thought, um, you know, when we read those verses, we, we think of them directly and right out of the gate in, in regards to not being married to unbelievers, not being unequally yoked in our marriages or in our business relationships with unbelievers. But if we read what, what the Apostle Paul says here, um, in verse 14 of chapter 6, it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. This verse that the Apostle Paul is pointing out, that you know what, there are influences that you have gotten too comfortable with, Corinthians, you've, your affections have been such that you have, you've become yoked, you've become connected, you've become influenced by these bad influences around you, these, these evil influences around you. And because of that, you have to come out. I need you to come and be separate from them. Now, if we just take that passage and we just leave that passage in 2 Corinthians there, we, we could build that into another 
article that I was reading this week, we could build that into an Amish lifestyle. We could build that into this reclusive, isolated, maybe not Amish is not the right one, but um, just put whatever face on it that you want. We could build that into a lifestyle and a walk that is isolated, let me use those words again, isolated, reclusive, insular, without contact or without influence from the world around us. And it would be biblical, right? It would be, it would be obedient to this passage. But if we flip back just a little bit before, in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9, and this is Apostle Paul talking about the, the missing epistle that we don't have. It says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with, un, with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetousness, with the covetous or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then ye must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or drunkard, or an extortioner, extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. So, just a little before this, and maybe that's why they had the the issues that they had in Corinth. A little bit before, the Apostle Paul says, listen, I wrote to you before that you shouldn't eat with fornicators. But, I mean, you can't, completely, you can't completely isolate yourself or else you'd have to be pulled right out of the world. It's impossible for you not to have some kind of influence or to be some, have some kind of connection with the world around you. And then he gives them direction to say, with those that have been heretics or with those that, that have, are brothers that have fallen into these things, don't eat with them. And so we have this kind of juxtaposition, and, and not, I'm not trying to make it as it's a one's a black and a white or a, you know, a yes-no situation, but these, these areas that have to be navigated in our lives, even with just the Apostle Paul with one church giving direction based on the influence and based on the circumstance and the time or the season that is taking place in their particular lives. The Apostle Paul, the same way we, when in, in Acts, when we read in Acts about the Apostle Paul, almost every chapter starts with, and he entered into such and such city, and as his manner was, he went into the synagogue and debated. Right? As his manner was. His pattern was to go and to debate with the Jews. Well, then all of a sudden, he is left waiting at Athens, and as his manner was, well, no, it wasn't. In Athens, for some reason that day, he finds himself on Mars Hill and has that famous and powerful message to the, about the unknown God. Something that was completely out of his pattern. It was, it was out of the path and comfort zone of what he was typically bringing as his message to the people. But it was what, it was what God had inspired him and, and given him as his direction for that day and for that place, and he departed from what his typical, comfortable, um, pro- I'm using the same word again, typical and comfortable are, the right, are good enough, what his normal activity would be. And so we, we could say, you know, if we look, Jesus, let's use Jesus as the example. In Matthew, he's, he's got a couple of examples in Matthew 10, 
Jesus says to his 12 disciples, go, into the world, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, and he gives them all the directions, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely have you received, freely give. This is when a little bit farther down when he gets to the point and says, and if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and go on into the next city. So if we with blinders on in our lives, we take that, we close the book, and we run, and we run past all these different Gentiles because Jesus said, go to the children, or the house, children of the house of Israel. But then we fast forward to the end of the book of Matthew, and he says, go into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever ye have commanded, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, again, and I mean, I, I, I have to laugh. How many times these Adventures in Odyssey stories keep coming up, even as... Now, yes, I am a middle-aged man. But we were driving back from Song Mountain. We went out to, to the hill, not to go skiing, but we went out for dinner on Friday night. And as we were driving back, we were listening to an Adventures in Odyssey. And it reminded me of one where it talks about um, this, this Jewish man, or I don't even know how it describes the man. But he reads in the Bible in one spot, and it says to take all your, beat all your plowshares into pruning hooks and your rakes into so basically you know turn all of your farm implements into weapons of war and then he flip and he does that and you hear him like a you know banging on the metal and shaping all this stuff and then he goes to the bible and he flips a couple pages back and then it says take all your weapons of war and fashion them back into uh farm implements and he just gets frustrated because why could the bible be saying one thing on one side and completely contradicted on the other side and what i was really struck with as i was as I was thinking about these things uh, this, this week, is that the message in the path of our life, the message and path of our life that the Lord has laid out before us is sure for the moment that he gives us the direction. But if he changes the direction, I shouldn't look at it I should be careful not to look at it as God changing his mind, but rather God saying, that was the time of that, that was that season, we've now transitioned into this season. A year ago, I had a transition in my career that I never expected. But had I looked back, had I been obedient, had I been listening to what God was trying to do in my life, I would have had that transition a couple years earlier. And I probably would have had a lot less stress that would have taken you, that would have added years back to my life that has probably taken off of my life. I would have been able to enjoy things differently that I didn't enjoy in the meantime because I was stuck with the blinders on saying, no, 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 this is what I'm supposed to do. At one point, there was a, sound, a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And even though the voice was starting to say, no, I want to do something else, I said, no, 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 you said you said this is what I'm, what I'm supposed to do and this is where I'm going. 
some of the stories we, we heard and we were sharing last night really, really spoke to me, and I won't regurgitate, regurgitate? That's a bad word to use. I won't replay them all. But I, one that I appreciated that Uncle Orse shared is when he, he was um, working at, at Welsh Allen and had this dream job, this absolute dream job. And all of a sudden, he, he said it was like the, the writing on the wall. He could see the handwriting on the wall that that was going to be taken away from him. That, that that was being removed. That he was going to be replaced. And there had to be a transition. There had to be a change to something else. As we were just listening, I, I had to also laugh. It said, all of these, so many of you, all these folks that came from Switzerland or from all over the place came to Braun. And then I didn't realize how many people came to Braun and then went other places. And had to think, what, had it, what, did, what did it have to be like for... Um, for Uncle Guy or Uncle Philip to, to have these businesses that, that they brought folks in and then saw that their careers would grow and that they would find other opportunities and they could go other places and do other things. I wonder how many times that, you know, I've, I've been that guy in business that has watched people leave and then you have to replace them and that's not always easy. It's hard to find good people. But I wonder how many times they flipped into Ecclesiastes and said, for everything there is a time, there is a season under earth. And it's a blessing to be able to watch growth. It's a blessing to be able to see God's hand move and, and to, to see believers be obedient to the moving of the Spirit and to exercise their faith in stepping out into the paths that God's laid before them. But I also have to remember for myself that and maybe everybody else doesn't have that. But if you have a disposition of being one of those ones that likes to walk in line and stay in the path, it's going to be uncomfortable when we have the winds blow and the leaves come and they start to fall and you realize that the transition in the seasons is coming. And something's supposed to change. And I need to be obedient to the change. It's great when fall comes because I love fall. I actually don't mind when it transitions from fall into winter. Standing at lab, it was pretty, not lab, song, it was pretty fun looking up at the hill and realizing those snow guns are getting colder and pretty soon we'll be making this trip out here. Realized I got to figure out how to get a ski box on Ashley's new car because that next season is coming. But I hate the end of March when I'm skiing over holes and ruts and stuff on the hill because I know I've got like six weeks of nastiness where I can't really ski and I can't really mow the lawn and it's too cold to work on the boat and I've got endless projects that I didn't do all winter long and now I have to do all the stuff I didn't get done because the season is changing. So rather than just focusing on how we need to be comfortable and be ready to be molded and adjusted and I want to we need to think about it and talk just briefly very briefly the verses that really spurred this about were this being unequally yoked and, and the apostle Paul calling the Corinthians to come out from among them because they had been too influenced because they had been too impacted by the world around them and the verses that um the verses that came to mind as the, not the antidote, but the, the way that we should be focusing on these things, or the way that we should be 
the way that we should be viewing our lives here below and our interaction with the world around us and our interaction with the changes around us. Let's just call it what it is. The world is changing. The world has changed. But the world has always changed. And influences continually change. And we talk about the good old days, good old days, and maybe they were, maybe they weren't the best. Who, I, I'm not, the, the verdict's still out. But at every moment in our lives and in the lives of the, those that have gone before us, there have been influences that the church believers collectively and individually have had to react to and work within or work away from. And the verse that comes to mind and the verse that applies perfectly here is uh, chapter 12, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a verse that um, Ethan and I actually talk about this pretty often as we're driving to school on, uh, in the morning. Renewing our mind. And we talk about it in the terms of, you know, just by the way we're wired, just by the way we're born, raised, or even just the chemical stuff that goes on inside us, our minds react to things a particular way. You, you react different than the way that I do. You react, well, we kind of react a similar way. But all of us individually, by the way that we are made, react a particular way. And if we don't allow the Lord to renew our minds, to transform that, we're going to be conformed to something. It's either, maybe we're going to be conformed to being super negative. Maybe we're going to be conformed to being super influenced. You know, I, 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 I know of a child who is super influenced, who is very easily able to be influenced. And then I know another child who is not influenced by anything. And both of those have to, both of those mentalities, both of those ends of the spectrum, have to have their minds and their hearts transformed by God to the perspective and to the place where He wants them to be. Because there's going to be spots where we're supposed to be influenced. There's going to be spots where we're supposed to be uh, more cautious and, and to push back. And based on the season of our lives, or based on the place that we're in, or based on our maturity, or our experience level, or, or whatever it is, based on the need that God has placed before us, He's going to fine-tune us to the situation and the relationship and the opportunity that lays before us. But if we don't allow that transformation to take place, then we leave ourselves unequipped and unprepared for what's going to be in front of us that day. And so in the simple little conversation that happens between the two of us in the morning, it's, we don't know what the day is going to bring today. Maybe today I'm in a good mood, maybe I'm in a bad mood. But whatever it is, God has to prepare my heart, prepare my life, prepare my outlook for that thing that I'm going to encounter. Well, you know what? For us, as we're making decisions, as we're making, as we're making 
calls on the path of our life, the path of our life as to where we're going, what we're doing, relationships we're going to have, influences we're going to allow to be before us, they have to be done. They have to be stepped into with the perspective and the the call of God, the, the call to God to transform my mind, renew my mind, renew my heart daily so that I might see what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, you're, I would have done it this way. I would have done it this way every other time. Just by virtue of who I am, this is what I would have done. I feel like I should do it again, but are you cha- is, is there something, is there some turn on the, around the bend that I don't see right now? Is there some, we use Philip for example, is there some Ethiopian eunuch that is out there sitting in the back of his, his chariot asking questions about Scripture that I don't see? I wasn't going to drive that road, but is there a reason that I'm supposed to be there today? And Lord, if there's a reason I'm supposed to be there today, I know that that road may have some temptations on it. I know that that road may have some things on it that I need to speed past because I'm going to be prone to wander. But as the Lord gives direction, says, no, that's where I need you to be. Okay, then give me the strength, give me the clarity, give me the grace to go straight there to do the work that is supposed to be done and then pluck me out and translate me to wherever I'm supposed to be next. These, the, the seasons of our lives, this, I almost used days of our lives, but as the sands in the hourglass, they will always yield influences. There's always going to be influences around us that will change with the times in which we live. But so too does the Father's transformation The transformation and renewing of our minds. It's like, this is a terrible analogy. Maybe it's not as bad as I think. It's like the software update. You know, we have this one old phone that we let the kids use to play games on, and it is like shot. It can't do anything anymore. There's no more software updates. It won't even support any of the new iOSs. And so it is like, it's prone to crash. It's prone to all kinds of problems. The the amazing part of a relationship with the Lord, having been renewed, having been regenerated by Him, that no matter where we walk, no matter what influence the world wants to throw at us, He's already provided the update. He's already provided the... Uh, it's, not a, it's not even a patch. It's a complete new perspective. And all of the tools at our disposal, all the tools that the Lord would need us to have and want us to have at our, at, at our, at our disposal if we avail ourselves to them. And so if I feel like I'm standing on the precipice of some scary thing that I have no idea how I'm going to handle, I don't know what, everything, all of the wheels have come off, the world is a disaster, we can't figure it out. Well, if he hasn't come back yet, if we haven't seen a white horse and heard the trumpets, then we're still equipped if we allow ourselves to be. And rather than standing there going, I, I don't want to do this. I, I'm, I'm too scared. This is too scary. Do I step back and do I allow myself to, to remember 
that that renewing of my mind, that transformation and renewing of not just, it shouldn't even just be renewing of my mind, but of my entire being will prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I pray for all of us that as we, it was, it was really a blessing, and I, I, we, we say this a lot here, and I appreciate it, that as we look back at our lives, and we even look back at the lives of, of us as a family of faith together, I appreciated like some of the stories that were being shared, like Uncle Uli would make a couple of, uh, tell some stories too, and so many of these I've, I've heard, and I know them, and they're testimonies of Ebenezer's, that was the other verse I was going to look, of these moments of hitherto the Lord hath blessed us. That's also part of the equipping that God has given us. If we can keep looking back at these piles of stones all through our lives, through your life, through our congregation's life, through the lives of our fathers of faith, and we look at those and say, I don't understand tomorrow, but I know hitherto the Lord hath blessed us, and I've been empowered, I've been regenerated, I have been transformed, so that tomorrow I'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I pray that we can have that, that, I pray that we can look at the future before us, even if it involves some waiting, like you talked about in Bible class this morning, that if we can look at that future before us with grateful anticipation as to how the Lord will use us individually and collectively uh, to be the influence on the world around us and not just to receive it. May the Lord bless these words.